turn with me to the book of Romans. The book of Romans. It's Paul's letter to the folks at Rome that have trusted Christ as Savior. Bye, Damon. <laughs> Bye, Brian. Romans chapter 8, you got it? This is an incredible chapter in the middle of an incredible book. It is in this book that we learn about not being conquerors, but being more than conquerors. Verse 37 says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know what it means to be more than a conqueror? It means to enjoy all of the benefits of victory without having had to fight the battle. Okay? My favorite illustration of that is Brenda Warner, who watched her husband play in the Super Bowl twice. She cheered, she hollered, but not one time did she get hit and knocked down. Not one time did she get rushed by the opposing team. Not one time did she get tackled. But when it was all was said and done, he got a ring and she got a check for $80,000 for sitting in the stands. We are more than conquerors. Because Jesus went to the cross. He shed his precious blood. He died for us. God raised him from the dead. And when I accepted him as my personal Savior, I became a part of the winning team. And I get to enjoy all of the blessings of God here and in heaven. I am more than a conqueror because of the conqueror. But that's not the message this morning. The message starts in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. And whom He called, them He also justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. What should we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for your word, especially for this passage. Dear Lord, help us today as we look at this to recognize how desperately we need you. To help us to realize how much we ought to love you. And help us to recognize that we need to be obedient to you. 
because you want us to be conformed to the image of your Son. Bless this message and bless your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Let's go back to verse 28 this morning as we uh, begin. The writer uh, of the book of Romans was the Apostle Paul. And he said, and we know. That indicates that we ought to know. That we shouldn't have to speculate. We shouldn't have to question. We shouldn't have to wonder. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. First question, do we know? Because Paul says we ought to. And certain, certainly we ought to have learned to live a life of faith, walking in the light as he is in the light, fellowshipping one with another, knowing that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin, 1 John 1, 7. When we do that, we come to recognize that God is faithful. God can be trusted. God's word is true. And we can rest in that. Yesterday, when the airbags blew up all around me, wham! It was actually pretty exciting. You always wonder if airbags really work. And they do. I mean, just, wham. And I sat there a minute and thought, okay, fingers worked. Yep. Eyes worked. Couldn't see anything until I pulled that airbag down on my face, but, you know, looked up. Wow. Yeah. Reached over and opened the door, crawled out. Everybody comes running up. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. You know, I'm a little bruised, skinned up, got a broken bone in my wrist. But hey, I know a lot of people live with a lot worse than that every day. And Tylenol pretty much takes care of the pain as long as I don't get too excited and jumping around. God is worthy. So you know what he did next? I thanked God. Why? Because I wasn't hurt? No, I thanked him for allowing it to happen. Because he's got a plan and a purpose. And I don't know why he let it happen, but he said in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And we know that all things work together for good. All things. That little word all is so vitally important. Sometimes we, we use it without a great deal of thought and, and we, you know, say, uh, oh yeah, that happens all the time. Well, that's not ever true or hardly ever true. But when we say, when we quote 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin, that's all true and it's all the time, and it is all sin. Friends, 
friend of mine asked me one time, okay, there's some things that I've done in my life that I don't think God can forgive. And I said, well, let's look at a verse of Scripture, and then you can decide if that's true or not. So I quoted that verse to him. I said, now, is what you've done, does it fall inside the word all, or is it outside the word all? He said, well, all means all. Wow, do you recognize how intelligent that is? To know that all means all? We use all detergent at home to wash clothes. It's a lie. (laughs) It does not cleanse all the stains. I had to throw a shirt away the other day because I was using it. One of those really hot days, I was all sweaty and I was picking tomatoes and I got in the house and had green stains all up both arms. I washed it twice. Was either dye the rest of the shirt green or throw it away. So I just threw it away. But all things work together for good to those that love God. All things. And I know that you can come up with illustrations that that are on the very far reaches of that word all. For example, the missionary doctors in Africa who got Ebola. Some of them died. You say, Brother Casey... How does that work out for good? They got to go to heaven before us. Is that not good? Sure. The five missionaries in 1957 who were killed uh, on a river in um, Ecuador. The Alka Indians. Speared to death. Trying to reach a tribe with the gospel. How in the world does that work out for good? They left their wives, their families. And as a result of that, some 3,000 college students volunteered to go to the missionary field, the missions field, that year. And that tribe was reached by the sister and wife of Jim Elliott. And those people that were on their way to hell now are on their way to heaven. Is that not good? All things work together for good to them that love God. There's the first condition. It doesn't say it works good for everybody. It says it works good for those that love God. And in this day and time, I see so many folks around us who are idolaters. They'd rather worship self than worship God. They'd rather worship football than worship God. You see, whatever comes between us and God is idolatry. It's an idol. When we put our desires above the Word of God, what we want above the Word of God, that's idolatry. You read through the scriptures. You come to Genesis chapter 20. And you run across the things that God said for Israel. 
to do and not to do. Most folks today consider those the ten suggestions. They are not. They are the Ten Commandments. And when we violate one of the Ten Commandments, we have set ourselves up above God. That's idolatry. The first three commandments deal with our relationship to God. We love God first and foremost, not having any other gods before Him. So anything that comes into our lives as idolatry violates the first commandment. The second commandment, we're to not make unto ourselves any graven images or, or anything that's under the sea or on the earth or up in heaven to worship them, to bow down and worship them because that's idolatry. That's the kind of idolatry that we recognize. Sure. We see somebody bowing down to Buddha to a statue of Buddha or uh, to a a rock or a tree or, or whatever, we recognize that as idolatry. We just don't recognize it in our own house when we'd rather sit on Sunday night and watch TV than be in God's house with others that love God. The Bible doesn't say anywhere that people have to go to church on Sunday night. You are absolutely right. It doesn't say we have to go on Wednesday night. Doesn't even say we have to go on Sunday night. I mean on Sunday morning. Okay? What it does say is forsake not the assembling of yourselves together after the manner of so, some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews chapter 10, 25. What day approaching? Well, the day of Christ's return. If you think that's 10,000 years off, I'm afraid you are sadly mistaken. It may not be today, may not be this year, may not be next year. But if it's not today, tomorrow I'm going to be disappointed and I'm going to be looking for him tomorrow. Because he said, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am there you may be also. Yesterday we had a wedding here. Larry and Joanne got married again. Okay? They did the first time 50 years, and after 50 years they decided they liked it, so they did it twice. Okay? I'm hoping they do it again in 50 years because I, I want to be the preacher. I'll be 113. I may have to record it, just leave the CD behind because... Quite honestly, I'd rather be in heaven. But uh, it was so cool. Joanne's back there. Larry and I are up here. And this music started playing. You know what that's called? Trumpet fanfare. Okay? First Thessalonians chapter 4, when Paul describes the return of Christ, he says... It'll be the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. So when we hear that trumpet fanfare, it always reminds me, hey, Jesus is going to come for us one of these days. He's not coming down here to get us. He's going to call for us. And just like Joanne walked down that aisle and met Larry here, we're going to meet Jesus in the air. 
And Paul closes that verse out, that passage out with, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Woohoo! I mean, that's just cool. All things work together for good to those that love God. There is a special reward, a special crown to be distributed at the Bema, the, the judgment seat of Christ, the trophy table. For those that love His appearing. Do you love the, the Lord's appearing? I mean, sometimes I can hardly wait. If I wasn't so heavy, I'd get out in the backyard sometimes and, and do rapture practice. You know. But I can't get off the ground. Holy Spirit's going to have to do that for me. But I can't wait for Jesus to come back. Oh, man. My heart goes out to those that are going to be left, and as a result, I'm trying to share with as many of them as possible how they can avoid being left behind when Jesus comes. You've got to be saved to get to go. But I'm going. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Do you love God? That's a question only you and God can answer. Do you love Him enough to put Him first in your life? Okay. Someone said to me several weeks ago, and I... I kind of passed it off at the time, but I've thought about it a lot since then. They said, Brother Casey, my kids come first in my life. And I thought, oh, bless their hearts. I mean, I'm thinking about it. Kids aren't supposed to come first in anybody's life. Kids are supposed to come first only after God and your spouse. I mean, that's what the Scripture says. Love God. And husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. And wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as the church is to submit to Christ. Now, I understand the confusion about that because there's a lot of churches that don't submit to Christ because they don't obey the Word of God. They're into church politics. And they're into methods rather than ministry. And they think that the building is the church. Trust me, this is just where the church meets. We're the church. And as a result, we're to love one another. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you keep your hair cut short, keep your skirts long. Oh, wait. No, that's the way we used to teach. What's the Scripture say? By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Now, if you love one another, several things happen. If you love one another, you look out for one another. You care for one another. You pray for one another. If you love one another, you tell each other the truth in love. And that's what I'm up here for. 
I want you to know the truth. If you're not obeying the commands of God, you're not loving God. You're loving yourself more than you love God. And everybody gets to choose who they're going to love. But wow, how sweet it is to love God. Because then you know that all things work together for good for you. To them that love God and to those who are the called according to His purpose. Well, what's God's purpose? Whoa, good question. What is God's purpose? God's purpose is for folks to get saved. Right? 1 Peter 3, 9. 2 Peter 3, 9. One of the Peters. Verse three, chapter 3, verse 9. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So it's God's purpose for everybody to get saved. Is everybody going to get saved? No. Two reasons why they're not. Number one, because everybody gets to make their own choice. And those who worship themselves more than God will choose themselves almost every time. Some people say, well, I don't believe in God. Like that changes it, you know? I could say I don't believe in pumpkins. But the evidence is almost overwhelming. Have you noticed this year? Bumper crop of pumpkins. You can buy pumpkins for $3 a piece. Big pumpkins. So for me to say, well, I don't believe in pumpkins, that's pretty... I started to say stupid. Mom didn't like us saying stupid, so... How about, that's ignorant. (laughs) Some people say they don't believe in God. Why is it at the end of life? We all recognize Him. Wow. I remember the day I heard that Madeline Murray O'Hare, the one who got prayer outlawed in school, Bible reading outlawed in school. She was, her name was on the lawsuit that went to the Supreme Court. She's directly responsible. I remember the day I heard that she had become a believer. Happened just a split second after she died. But by then it was too late. That's happened to every atheist that ever walked the face of the earth who already died. They all believe it's just too late. And I'm talking with you all because it's not too late for you. You say, Brother Casey, we're not atheists. Could be. I hope not. But I want to know if you love God enough to receive His Son as your personal Savior and make Him Lord of your life. In Sunday school this morning in our class, we started over with the first set of Scripture verses that we did up here in the auditorium for two years, uh, the Romans road, okay? And Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess that Jesus is Lord. Actually, King James, if thou shalt confess the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See? But he didn't say 
if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Savior. No. It says, if thou shalt confess the Lord Jesus. That Jesus is Lord. Thou shalt be saved. He will become your Savior. You say, Brother Casey, do you believe that when you get saved, you have to make Jesus Lord of your life? No. When you get saved, Jesus is Lord of your life. The question is, how much are you going to submit to His Lordship? He's already Lord. He doesn't need you to cast the final vote. You know? There are a number of folks in the community who would like to have your vote a week from Tuesday. See? I've never gotten so much political mail in my life. Wow. I thought about saving it, but it's all on that slick paper, and that doesn't burn real good. <laughs> so, I just keep filing it. File 13. You say, why, Brother Casey? Why are you throwing it away? But, well, because I know most of the folks that are running, and I know what their beliefs are, and I'm voting for the person who believes the closest to the Word of God. Okay, Because that's who I want in power. Are they all in the same party? Nope, not yet. When Jesus comes back, they will be. We just won't be voting. <laughs> Jesus is going to be Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are the call according to His purpose. Call according to His purpose. What's His purpose? That folks get saved. And so we need to be busy sharing the gospel with people. I'm not talking about buttonholing people and backing them into a corner and telling them you've got to get saved or you're going to hell. That's not what I'm talking about. John Acts chapter 1 says, Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Well, what's a witness do? First thing you do is you swear to tell the truth. And then you answer questions about what you know, what happened, what you saw. And that's what I do as a witness. I share with people what happened to me and what I've seen happen in the lives of other people because they received the gospel. What's the gospel? Say it with me. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how people get saved. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The gospel. So you always give them the gospel. And then you let the Holy Spirit do His part. The Holy Spirit has to, has to win them to Christ. He has to get, cause the new birth to happen. Now often I ask them, would you like to receive Jesus as your personal Savior? After I tell them how I got saved or tell them how somebody else got saved. After I am a witness and I give them the gospel, then I ask them, would you like to do that? Sometimes they say yes. Sometimes they say no. But I have been successful because I did my part. Don't you like being successful? The only way to be non to not be successful in soul winning is not to ever share the gospel and not to ever be a witness. You are not successful if you don't tell others what happened to you, how you got saved, and you don't give them the gospel. And i got to tell you, 
Being a success is so much more fun than being a failure. Okay? You're not a failure because you fall down or because you mess up. You're a failure because you don't get up. Okay? So you mess up. You say, well, I wouldn't know what exactly what words to say. Well, trust the Holy Spirit to give you the words to say. Just say what you know. Let Him work it out. You already know that people hear what they want to hear anyhow, right? <laughs> so you just give them the gospel and give them your witness. And the Holy Spirit will tell them what they hear. Let God do His part. But we got to do our part. We are called according to His purpose. We're called first for salvation. And then we're called to share the gospel with others. That's His purpose. And it's his purpose for every believer, not just the pastor. God's purpose for you. Okay, you think you got the verse yet? Say it with me. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose. One more time. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the call according to his purpose. That's a precious verse. I think I'm going to use that. I think I'm going to just believe it. Count on it. Do it. Because God is so good. And I don't know how you feel, but I got to tell you. Even with my arm in a sling, I still feel like there's not anybody on the world, in this world that God loves more than He loves me. Of course, not anybody in the love world that He loves more than He loves you. Okay? But sometimes you just feel like God's pet. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God has called you to that purpose. And the gospel is that Jesus died for you, rose from the dead. And if you will ask him, he will forgive your sins and save you. And in just a few seconds, we're going to stand and sing a verse of an invitation song. And as we sing, I'm going to offer you the opportunity to step out from wherever you are and come. And we'll take the Bible and show you how you can know that you're saved, how you can know your sins are forgiven. How you can know you're on your way to heaven. Woo, that's sweet. I encourage you to do that. It may be that you've already been saved. You've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism. You may want to come this morning and we'll make arrangements for you to be baptized. Could be that you've been saved, baptized. You're a member of a church somewhere. And you've sensed that this is where God wants you to serve him. I invite you to come. We'll share with you how we receive members. Maybe that as a Christian, a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart this morning about some point of idolatry, some point in your life where you have put yourself or something else above God in your worship.
today you can confess that to him. You don't have to confess it to me. But I invite you to come to this altar and kneel here. One of the the chairs or across the altar here. Confess it to God. Just say what God says about it. It's sin. Forsake it. Turn from it. That's repentance. Say, Lord, from now on, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to worship you. You're going to be the God in my life. Let's stand together quietly with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, I pray this morning that your perfect will would be done in each heart and each life. Lord, I know it's not my speaking that's powerful, but your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I ask you to bless your word. Use it in hearts and lives. We will give you all praise and all glory. Help folks to respond to this invitation as you have spoken to their hearts. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Brother Greg, you come, please. Lead us in a verse of